When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a beautifully written, beautifully shot, amazing piece of cinema. It's really clever and he finds great songs to go with things like everyone knows, you know, Steeler's Wheel with the ear being chopped off and there's, you know, great lines in it that you remember and the cast at the time was great the posters look cool the trailer was cool the whole like opening scene um, where they're discussing like a virgin is something that had never been done before and it just still kind of feels really fresh and exciting it really does Mm -hmm. Hello film fans, joining us today in the Flix Watcher studio we have Chris. Hello. Dan. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hey. And we're here to review Reservoir Dogs. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. With us today we have Cress and Dan. If you would like to say hello and tell our lovely listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do, please. Hello. Uh, so we work for Food Tribe, which is a micro-influencer food community. Um, so we host events, podcasts, all that sort of thing for our, our community of lovely, lovely foodies. We currently host a podcast together called The Food Tribe Table. Yeah, which is produced by Ben, who produces this here podcast as well. Guys, if you want a podcast produced by Ben, now visit him at Rockwood Audio, R-O-K-K Wood, in case you haven't. Yeah, Uh, lovely, lovely guy. But yeah, tell us a bit more about the Food Tribe podcast and what what you do with that and who you bring onto the show. Yeah, so we've we've are we closing episode? Um, sorry, season one. Yeah, we've just finished season one, so ten episodes in. Uh, We have predominantly people in the food kind of community, so Mm. chefs, influencers, um, restaurant owners, restaurant owners, yeah, all sorts of people. Um, Some actually, some that are not from the food industry, but what we're talking about is food. But I, I mean, one episode, obviously, like you say, you have chefs on and stuff. But one episode I listened to was the the guy who from the Arsenal TV. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was actually that was our first ever episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not he's not a foodie, quote unquote foodie, but he's talking. Obviously, people's relationship with food can be quite. Um, really kind of ingrained in them, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, well, we wanted to, he has a huge social presence. We yeah. wanted to kind of get his, uh, also chat about influencers. Obviously, you're, you're a gooner as well, aren't I'm, you? I'm a gooner as well, so <laughs> I'll hug that one as well. Um, Robbie has a massive, uh, he come, you know, great food culture. And um, I think also the great thing is what, we, what, we're, what we're seeing is we don't just want to focus on those kind of quote unquote foodies, chefs, kind of that you would see on BBC Good Food type people. We want to 
go into other dig into other audiences and mm. and you know whether it's sport music and and kind of under and see the connection with food there as well i think it's really really interesting what i thought was really interesting about him it's that he obviously travels a lot for mm. for supporting arsenal yeah at least a lot more when they were better oh. uh <laughs> And uh, but he used to go to all the all the European uh, matches and yeah. he'd always take pride in like trying a different food in the different countries. Yeah. And for me, that's like one of the best things about going to different countries, like trying the local beer, trying the local food. Absolutely. And the amount of times I've been away with someone and they're like, oh, can I can have some chips and chicken, please. I'm like, why don't you have that? That's on the menu that looks yeah. AC, you can't get in the UK anywhere. It's just like really well, That's the one thing we always ask is like, what do you do? What do you, yeah. where do you go to travel for food? Because yeah. that is for, for, I guess, Chris and yeah. I, it's like, we, we, as a team, we love traveling yeah. for food. We walk away from each episode with like, I ha- literally have a notepad of <laughs> yeah. recommendations, whether it's places in London or mm. countries to visit, but things I want to do to do with food, yeah. just like a hit list that we walk away with. It must be like, make you really hungry yeah. when you're Every recording time. as well. <laughs> yeah. like, Every time. And you're like, did you bring any samples? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the saddest things I did was, uh, we're in Hong Kong and just tired. And we just went into Bubba Gump Shrimp. And as I was eating, I was like, this is terrible. This is like the worst thing I've ever done Do you know in my what? life. I've actually eaten that exact same yeah. restaurant right at the top of the peak. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you feel ashamed? Shameful. Yeah. I'm ashamed too, yeah. You know, I, I really enjoyed having a Subway in Thailand once just because I just really fancied like a carby sandwich. Sometimes it's okay to do it, I think. You, you didn't fancy the, the street food from... I had loads of that, yeah, okay. but this particular time I just it, thought... Just I'd have, I'd have like sometimes you needed that. Whereas if you're away for a while, you In need Japan, a like you get after a lot of all the same types of food, you need a little bit of like... I don't know, a burger or something. <laughs> they make really good pizzas there. They have good pizzas. Well, we're talking yeah. about Reservoir Dogs, which is your choice, Chris. Yes. So can you tell us why you chose it and then give us a synopsis in one minute or less? So I chose this purely as a huge, huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I'll be honest, it isn't my number one. It's okay. not my favourite, but well, it is up there. We'll delve into this as and we Yeah, as I was going to say, today, I won't yeah. go into that now, but purely because if you are a Tarantino fan, this is just you guys will know, iconic. Um, this made him who it was. And I think the story behind it and, you know, the, the him becoming his, you know, his directing debut mm. is just so interesting and makes me passionate about it. Um, so the story is, uh, as we all know, a big diamond heist. So you've got five main characters who are all strangers. They don't know each other's names. Well, they're real names. They refer to each other as their colour code names. Uh, and so what we see in, in a kind of a non-linear storyline format is these five guys and all we know is we don't see the heist happen but we know that it's gone wrong mm. and we see it jumping all over the place and we find out that there is a snitch or a mole and so the story is kind of all of us fun unfolding together and finding out who that is helen reservoir dogs thoughts so um obviously i've, I've seen this before i hadn't seen it for a very 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 long time though um you're talking years decades yeah years maybe longer so and I think when I saw this the first time, I definitely saw this after I'd seen Port Fiction. Right. So. I Port think, Fiction came out two or three years after this, didn't it? Yeah. So yeah. this was 92. Port Fiction was 94. So I think with this film that you kind of forget that before this, no one had ever done anything in Tarantino style. Mm. So the whole nonlinear um, story was kind of like still a relatively new thing. Um I mean, Scorsese sort of started the soundtrack, but Tarantino really kind of rolled with it. Mm. And it's... Then Guy Ritchie tried. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, to be fair, Lockstock soundtrack is still pretty cool. It's good. Yeah. But it's the things that I really, really (laughs) like are are the soundtrack and the way he uses music in that 
you're not sure whether they're actually listening to it there and then or whether it's digesting. Di- yeah. So it's it's really clever and he finds great songs to go with things like everyone knows, you know, Steeler's Wheel is the scene in the where, yeah, with yeah. the ear being chopped off and there's, you know, great lines in it that you remember and, you know, the cast at the time was great. Obviously now... Um, some of them are a bit more bloated and haven't really had much work. But then, you know, the posters look cool. The trailer was cool. The whole like opening scene um, where they're discussing like a virgin is something that had never been done before. And it just still kind of feels really fresh and exciting. Yeah, yeah it really does. Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit slower than I remember, but it's still got that kind of early Tarantino like wow this guy is doing something different and he's playing around with cinema and having loads of fun and kind of got his buddies and they're dressing up and looking cool <laughs> I mean that's interesting you say that as well though at the time people didn't get it because it was the first time anyone had done anything and I, I read back at some of the old reviews that had come out maybe like the couple of months after it, it came out mm. and the reviews are quite bad really because people didn't yeah. get it now we appreciate it so much more I mean not they weren't all bad obviously but it's really interesting that I think now it's reviewed very differently to where it was when it first came out yeah. because people just didn't understand. And also, like, the major thing, so the the thing that happened, like the diamond heist, isn't in the film. Yeah, mm. exactly. So people are like, well, yeah, but what happened? It's when like, are well, we going to see it? It went wrong. It. Like, but what mm. happened in it? Yeah. It's like, well, you kind of piece it together. So it really angered people that they, they weren't being satisfied in the traditional sense. Done. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs thoughts? I mean, I, I, like you, I had uh, and I hadn't, seen it in, in a while had to watch it more recently um and it is it's, it's just it's well number one being iconic it's just a fun I, I, the, the 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 art of it the fact that you don't see it you don't see that i love that and you just everything around it and it's just so so smart and clever and that picture the i think it's mr white and mr, mr. white Pink, mr yeah on the, uh, on the floor they're fighting yeah, yeah. Uh, um, with the guns is like such an iconic picture it's actually and what i liked about it, it's not that long <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> actually film, you're right that really For like, tarantino yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Going back to watch it this time, I was expecting it to be like three hours. I was yeah. like, oh, actually. Oh, it's easy. Yeah, for a time. It's pretty short. Sure. <laughs> oh, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, One hour, 37. On my commute. Yeah, exactly. This isn't my favourite Tarantino film, and we'll, we will kind of beg that question later on. Mm-hmm. But it, as Helen said, it just it's kind of set like a, a guiding vein for not just Tarantino, but how films could be mm. in the future. And for something, you, you watch it now and you can kind of say, well, this was made in like the early 90s, just the way it's kind of shot and um, it's not it's not digital. Uh, things still look great and it does look kind of low budget, but at the same time, such a low budget film has just influenced things. Like the, the Needle Drop soundtrack in this is outstanding. And I think I knew the soundtrack and I listened to the soundtrack before I watched the film. And it's the same with Pulp Fiction. Um, I knew the soundtrack, I knew the songs and I knew a lot of the dialogue that was kind of transposed into that soundtrack before I saw the film. So it was quite nice the first time I watched the film, seeing it actually play out. I was like, oh, okay, you're going to bark all day, little doggy? You're going to bite? I was like, oh, that's from the soundtrack. Yeah, that's my favourite line (laughs) of the whole movie. But there's so many amazing shots. Like you said, the one where Mr. Pink's on the floor, pointing to the gun up at Mr. White, then walking down the street. They have the kind of um, uh, stuck in the middle where you dance, the uh, Mr. Blonders. Just the amount of times when guys wear dark suits together, they've got sunglasses, the amount of times people walked in slow motion together is like that kind of yeah. thing. There's so many things in this film that's been just been taken away and used in real life and just used in film going forward. It's just mm. a, kind of astonishing. Um, so it's going to be, it's, it's kind of great. Um, so who is your favorite, who is your favorite or least favorite of the, of the codes of the colored people? 
do, do you mean the actors and their performances? Because well, take it which way you want, how you want well, to answer. Watching this again, I'd kind of forgotten about Tim Roth. Mm. Yes, like, he's creating this and like really convincing American accent, and you know, convincing. I mean, spoiler: he's 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 the mole, he's the cop, um, and yeah, he's great in it. And there's this. Um, part in it way he has to learn this monologue this scene uh, mm. which he's going to sell himself um, which is a story about going to the toilet with some cops and a big bag of weed and he's great and he's really lively and really funny so I really enjoyed that and it's an early Steve Buscemi as Mr Pink in it who is classic Steve Buscemi he's kind of funny and his face is so like what the fuck's going on man <laughs> kind of face um so i think those were my two highlights yeah i totally agree i mean i think harvey cartel's really good in it as yeah. well he's very funny um, he's just yeah and i like the fact that he's just this gangster and he's so angry and violent and shouty the whole way through it. and then at the end suddenly he's like he starts and finishes the movie by just being this like cuddly like I don't know. Yeah, he's great in it as well. Yeah, you got to tip the waitress, but then it's like he's not—he's not—he's not the cop. He's not the—he's not the bowl. Mm. But then he finds it. I was surprised. It still surprised me that Tim Roth says, "I'm yeah, I'm the cop." And yeah, we were having. Well, we'll have that discussion. Yeah. Well, we can have it now if you okay. want. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, well, we—I've been debating this all day in my own mind because I've had to rewatch the last scene to try and figure out whether he shoots Mr. Orange or not. Whether well, Mr. White shoots Mr. Yes. Orange? Yeah. Because he, he comes clean, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm a cop. And then he's holding him and he's got the gun to his head. And then the police burst in and you see Mr. White fall back as if he's been shot. Yeah. But my theory is that you hear the cops shout, put the gun down. Yeah, you do. There's probably a second or two when you hear, then hear a shot. And then, so my theory is that the fact that he, you hear that shot and they, and that they, you know, if he'd put the gun down, they probably wouldn't have shot him. Mm. The fact that he does get shot by the cops, I assume, means he shot Mr. Orange. Ah. Well, I think no one survives this. So this is the whole thing that they've managed to all do the heist and no one comes out alive because Mr. Pink doesn't make it because you hear the commotion outside and it sounds very, very, very like Steve Buscemi, like, going, I'm not going to put the gun down, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and mm. you're never going to catch me. So that's like the commotion from outside, which is why the cops don't come in as quickly as Orange says to Marvin, the cop. Mm. He said, like, oh, when, you know, Joe gets Joe gets here? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the cops will come in. So they do come when he comes, but because Pink's run out with the, the bag, he causes all that commotion. So basically they all end up dead. Yeah, because I've read a lot of people saying that there's a big like question of whether whether Pink gets away or not, but I'm 99% sure he no, doesn't. Pink doesn't, I don't think. He doesn't, and there was also, think. there was loads of loads of like fan conspiracies about the fact that the order in which um, oh, when Nice they, Guy Eddie, uh, Mr. White yeah, the, and Joe the all shoot, yeah, yeah. that one of them doesn't die or something or because of the order they don't they didn't all die and that one of them survived or something but I, I'm no, pretty sure everyone died yeah. I did re I did rewind that you know on the 10 second yeah. Netflix <laughs> just, just to see it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it just to see because yeah. you do think how the hell did he shoot him but then I guess I guess if you get shot not in that kind of temple you can react quickly this, this is great. I wouldn't know. I would... <laughs> pretty... We can test it out we can get somewhere we'll get hungry there's four of us here <laughs> there's some great Another thing about this is I think everyone remembers it being more violent than it actually is. Mm. Um, I mean, the ear scene 
in your imagination it's as violent as you want it to be but like you kind of see the before and after I mean when which is gross the after still yeah, it is gross it's like <laughs> oh yeah um but like orange getting shot is like almost absurd because he's kind of like squealing and there's just like blood and at one point he's just like freaked out like by all this blood that's kind of here and it's just like there's so much blood there's so much blood and Mr. Blonde when he gets shot shot to pieces shot to shit um you know he's kind of like staggering around with loads of bullet holes in him so it's that mix of slightly cartoonish but also slightly real violence as well which I think that's what unsettled Tarantino. a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, mean, uh, you mean at the time specifically because they, they felt that they weren't taking this, the violence seriously? A little bit of that. And then also you've got like this crazy amount of blood. blood and obviously being able to survive that one. Yeah. But someone else instantly dies from one. So there's all that kind of thing. So it's it's just him having a fun time. Well, it kind of yeah. sets it up at the start saying, if you get a gunshot and wound in the stomach, you'll die within three days. That kind of sets up the fact that he's going to be around for a while. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember thinking... I'm pretty sure I didn't watch this for a while because I was shit scared of watching the ear getting cut off. Hmm. I was just like, I don't want to see that. That sounds like the worst thing in the entire world. And then I saw like a documentary which says, and the funny thing is, as Helen just says, you don't, moves, actually, yeah, yeah. you don't actually see the ear going. I was like, oh, okay, I can watch Reservoir Dogs then. But it still is like a grim scene, even yeah. though you, because Blonde is a straight out psycho. It's just a straight off psychopath. And um, I think they all play, they all play really well. Although I'm not, Chris Penn, it's a nice guy to you. I'm still a bit like, Really? <laughs> he's, he's, I know, but he serves his purpose, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, oh, I liked him. He's, he's a nice guy. He doesn't really <laughs> fit he, in. Like, he's obviously that typical son of the... He's got to yeah. be, yeah. And his uh, shell suits. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think he's also supposed to contrast the dad, who you're supposed to hate. Yeah. I really hated. You really hate Joe? Yeah. And subsequently, uh, Tarantino hated him in real life. Oh, really? He fired him after, like, on their first week of filming. Really? Yeah. Because he was just acting he, he's he's a real life bad boy in like hollywood of hollywood he's mm. supposed to be he's yeah. been like in and out of jail and stuff and apparently in the first like week of filming tarantino and him had a bit of an argument and he was like oh i can't deal with you and all of the other cast members just found him really annoying I've, i found i found mr white um the character i can you can warm to most i thought because oh, totally. mm. he's just you know throughout it's like up and down he's he's got this kind of morality in him somewhere it's quite f- it's quite funny even when he was kicking the the cop in the in the stomach on the yeah. floor he didn't look like he was enjoying that much but he just had to be a part of it yeah not in the way the blonde mr blonde was reveling in mm. like taping yeah. him up and and punching him to shit and he enjoyed pulling him in the, in the car and stuff and gasoline yeah yeah but mr mr blonde felt i think he was doing it because he was angry at the, the way the situation was but i don't yeah. think he would that wouldn't be his natural state would be to find a cop and and beat him up because um, he's Mr. the one that says I'm not a killer is that the, what was that Mr Orange oh I can't remember Mr Pink was quite enjoying it um, Quentin Tarantino acting in films this is probably his best performance I think yeah well it's one probably of the shortest one of the shortest <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I think this is one of the longest I would have thought because he has like no, that monologue no Dustal Dawn's the longest he's in it for oh, like okay. hours oh yeah he's like actually one of the yeah cast. but that's not his film is it Sort of. He wrote, wrote it. It's wrote like, it. Yeah. It's like a almost yeah. him and Roger, you almost Robert forget Rodriguez. he's in it because, like, there's a point where like, there's a big period where, he's like, oh yeah, he was there, and then because you, you, see, see you don't see him die, and then oh, okay, then you see him die. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Blue guys, who, who, who was that guy? Oh, he's the old guy. Isn't <laughs> yeah. He? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, poor Mr. Blue. He's uh, the one who doesn't. No, he's the one who forces them. To, he pays the tip. He's the guy. Yeah, at the beginning in the scene, you see him there. Yeah, but we don't see him after that, apart from the. 
Yeah. But I don't, really, I don't think he really features in the slow motion scene. I think he always gets cut out of it. Um, I, feel, I really feel sorry for him. I don't know, maybe. maybe. <laughs> he had potential. <laughs> well, he, of course he had potential, otherwise Joe wouldn't have hired him. True. It, you know, it's only Mr. Orange that he didn't have the full full yeah. skinny on all the way through. You don't, yeah. you don't give blue to someone who, you know, you're going to cut out quickly. Yeah, exactly. Well. I think, yeah, I always feel sorry for blue whenever I see this. But I think, like you said, I, I don't think I've seen this for over a decade. So mm. it was kind of like, oh, this, it does look like it was made back then, which is not a problem because it still looks like a really cool film. Mm. Um, but yeah. I think it's dynamite. So um, f- f- just as we're talking Tarantino, what is your favourite Tarantino? I think Pulp Fiction. But I've got so many favourites. But yeah, and I liked that there are little connections in this with Pulp Fiction, which is obviously set before this. So what are the connections? So... The suits? I need to get this right. Do, do they mention Vincent Vega? Has he mentioned There is, there is so a Vega. There's a Vega mentioned. He is... I need to get this right. He is so Vic, Vic Vega. Vega, who is Mr. Blonde, mm. is Vince Vega's brother. Who, right, in, when Pulp okay. Fiction is set, um, he is now dead, obviously, because he's died in front of our dogs. Mm. Um, but yeah, so and they also have they both have their iconic dance scene, which I thought was quite clever. Yeah, and I think actually, I think I read somewhere, I'm not sure if this is true, but that when they were filming that and they put the music on for the ear cutting off scene, that that was a little bit improvised and that kind of Michael Madsen just did his thing and that Quentin loved it Mm -hmm. and Tarantino was like oh this is great and then that was kind of what spurred on the you know um, John Travolta scene in Pulp Fiction which if that's true is cool Who's done the best out of this film? Because I think Pulp Fiction, you both, both John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson went on to, yeah. and Uma Thurman went fucking skyrockets. But the other guys, I mean, Steve Buscemi kind of still does his thing, but none of the other guys seem to have gone into the well, stratosphere. Steve Buscemi, this is one Actually, of the- he's, in, he's, in, he is in other, he's in Pulp Fiction, Fiction. as a waiter. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. Tim Roth's in it as um, Honey Bunny. Honey Bunny. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, and Harvey Keitel is obviously the Mr. Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. 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 But I mean... They haven't gone to megastardom like Samuel L. Jackson and and John Travolta. Well, Harvey Keitel was already a pretty Steve big Shem. star. He's pretty, I would say, isn't yeah. it? He, this is probably is his it? least. It's not a big as Samuel L. Jackson again. Okay? <laughs> plays his least creepy character. Sure, yeah. I guess these guys are probably in a better place than Samuel L. and um, John Travolta before. Yeah, John, I mean, John Travolta was well in the in the doldrums doing "Look yeah. Who's Talking Now." It was his, it was his kind of biggest <laughs> film at Didn't the time. Like Michael Madsen and Chris Penn like have hit it big with like the LAPD and things like that. So they kind of went what in that, that direction. Mean? They, well, they got arrested quite a bit, didn't they? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. I thought it, it was like... Sean, Sean Penn's younger brother, right? Yeah. 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 So he, he died like in his yeah. 50s, like yeah. terrible health. Like I think quite a lot of drugs and drink yeah. as well. Yeah, because if you Google him now, he no, looks nothing like he did in this. Well, what, not Chris now, Pet- but in the- When he died. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say. No, yeah, yeah. Sorry, not right now. He's <laughs> <laughs> pretty, yeah. like in his later years. Yeah. So Ho- Hollywood does that to you. Mm. What's your favourite uh, Tarantino film? Uh, a little bit controversial. I would say Inglourious Bastards. Why is that controversial? Well, I don't know if it's everyone's favourite. Is it? I don't know. No, it's not everyone's favourite. Oh, okay. oh, I no, love I'm that saying, one. Oh, I actually did? watched it last week. Oh, okay. No, I just love it. I think it's Each brilliant. Time. I just... Mm. Like it's almost funny as well, and I just remember watching it the first time. It's funny and gross. It's, it's funny and gross. Yeah, it, talk about gross. I mean, that is the one Tarantino film I just—it's so graphic with yeah. the kind of peeling off of the yeah. skull yeah. and everything. But that, um, that first, the first scene in that again, yeah. he does it does good first scenes well, doesn't he, yeah. Tarantino? That, I think actually that is probably my one of my, if not my favorite, first Tarantino scene. Mm. It's incredible. Mm. The tension is like. Mm. 
Yeah, I haven't seen it for a while. We just found out that it, it is on Netflix. Um, so I I will watch that at some point. Oh, so we could have done that. <laughs> this is great, honestly. <laughs> Helen, your favourite Tarantino? Well, I think we we, dis- we did Pulp Fiction quite early on, didn't we? Yeah. In, in this, so please do go, do go back and listen to that one. So I, I do like Pulp Fiction, but... I seem to remember that I used to really enjoy Jackie Brown as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I thought that was a really great soundtrack and um, a, a really great cast in that one. His later stuff, I've not really been. Have you seen with. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, not yet. I don't know. It's good. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's, uh, it's for me watching a cinema because it's, it is a long film, luxurious in itself, and it does look very 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 pretty it's interesting seeing the difference between then and now low budget yeah. Tarantino because mm. even even Pulp Fiction is a few steps notches above in terms of how things are shot and how oh, totally yeah, how yeah. things how how much more slickly it's mm. put together actually you say talking about the newer ones Hateful Eight I think is very similar to Reservoir Dogs right but on a much 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 bigger budget it's the idea that it's eight people or whatever stuck in a room you know most of it's filmed in one room mm. and they're trying to find out who is the snitch or who's the baddie. That's, that's one I still haven't seen yet because I'm just... That's oh, sorry. Oh, well, yeah. I went, but no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't love it, but it's interesting how similar it actually is as yeah. a setup to... Um, I, lo- I, love the, I love the setup as well. I go back to one of the, it's like a really old film, 12 Angry Men. Oh, magnificent. Oh, yeah, just great film. brilliant. Like it's just set in one room with, and it's mm. just, what a scream. Yeah, if you can make, if you, if you got the screenwriting ability to make conversations spark that way, mm. as they do in 12 Angry Men, then that's, I mean, that's what I think for me sets uh, Quentin Tarantino apart from a lot of other people. Obviously you've got the shots and the music, but the, his dialogue, at least in the first few films, were just absolutely dynamite. You just, mm. you just didn't have people writing that way for people, uh, for actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's his main thing. For me, yeah. Pulp Fiction. Um, and I do have super fun memories, even though I've only seen it once of Inglorious Bastards. So I'm going to watch that again because I really, I super enjoyed um, that in the cinema. I quite like Django. Oh, yeah. I think I've only seen that once. Not for me. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Right, should we head to the scores, guys? Let's head over to the scores. Welcome to the FlixWatcher spreadsheet of dreams. All of our scores are out of five, and you may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, Chris, with the recommendability, please. Five, for sure. It's it's so iconic. I've got such a soft spot for this because it made Tarantino who he is. So, yeah. But what about, okay, True Romance? How, how does that figure in? I know he wrote it. Well, actually... I do, I do quite like True Romance, and you can tell he's written it, but mm. you can also tell that he didn't direct it. Yeah, um, and apparently that's what happened with this one. So he 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 kind of pitched Reservoir Dogs, and they were like, right, we'll have it, but you're not directing it because he wasn't, you know, people yeah, didn't know who he was. Yeah. He didn't really know what he was doing, and so he sold the screenplay for 
true romance to make the money so that he could go, sod you guys, I'm gonna, I want to direct Reservoir Dogs myself. Imagine being able to do that. Here's a screenplay awesome. I just kind of like wrote. Yeah. Uh, Tony, you can have this one. You can have a bit of fun with it. Was I don't it, need it. T- Tony Scott, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It is a great movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, Dan? Recommendability five, for sure. That's iconic. No, no, no. This is definitely five. Just from understand, like early days. Of, oh, well, how, how it's created and the screenplay, how it starts, everything about it. You just mm. have to watch it. It's brilliant. <laughs> smart. It's smart film. Ellen? Yeah. I was going to give it four but then now you've you've added that and i'm gonna give it a 4.7 added what in what was added in um i i think i probably prefer true romance to this okay um but and also i don't think this is as good as port fiction which did i probably gave that a five so I if i don't remember. think that's three years ago a million years ago so i'm gonna give it 4.7 because i think it's great mm-hmm. um it does feel a little bit slower. Um, I mean, it's essential Tarantino, but I don't think it's as dazzling as Pulp Fiction. I, I'm going to go for 4.5, um, purely because there's some people who would not like this in any way, shape or form, because there's all the blood and all the swearing. So I couldn't recommend it blanketly to everyone. Uh, but those people who aren't too young or too old, then yeah, watch it. It's, it's one of the best examples of uh, indie filmmaking ever. Yeah, but in terms of violence... Apart from a couple, like the the uh, look, mate, you got you got police getting shot up in their car. Mm. You've got people getting shot in the stomachs. I mean, okay, it's still like okay, yeah. okay, okay. I agree, though. It, there are there are worse Tarantino films for violence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not that. Well, I hear bad, what you're saying. Then, yeah, no, no, yeah. Because yeah, the, the, the scenes in Inglorious Bastard are properly grim. Yeah, some yeah. of the, some of the scenes in um, I think it's Kill Bill Volume One. There's just there's, oh, yeah. there's blood for Kill blood's Bill. sake. It's, it's trying to make a swimming pool full of blood. <laughs> Um, Pulp Fiction is probably less violent than this, isn't it? Marvin gets shot in the head. Yeah. Pulp Fiction's more like it's the thing, it's like the drug thing and the like stabbing chest yeah. bit that is probably more terrifying than the actual mm. violence. Um, so I'm going to go 4.5 because I just, I think I, I would have scored it similarly for Pulp Fiction as well because I I just think if I can't recommend it to everyone, yeah. then Fine. just take it okay. off your notches. Okay, maybe Four I should have thought about my decimals a bit. No, no, you won't. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking. You've got, you've got some decimals to play with in the next few rounds. Um, okay, repeat viewing score. Cressida. I'm going to say a 3.8, which sounds low, but that's because kind of to Helen's point, I I would watch Pulp Fiction over and over again. I could honestly watch it once a week. I mm. love it so much. Whereas with this, I think it's incredible. I wouldn't want to watch it over and over again. You know, I'd watch it maybe every few years and I'd recommend people to watch it. And I'd, you know, I think it's something you should watch a few times in your own life. But yeah, I wouldn't watch it over and over again the way I can in lots of other movies. Okay. Done. 3.1. <laughs> Copying no. my decimals. Um, yeah, I mean, like, again, I, I w- a bit like what Chris said, it's... You, there's other films out there that I'd happily watch again just because I don't know they warm to you it's a great film and I'd highly recommend it obviously but in terms of enjoy I think you have to really just a film you want to watch again mm. you have to almost like just enjoy it put it on and like let it just warm to you and this <laughs> it, it's a bit tense this one you have to it's a bit gruesome in some respects yeah it's not comfortable it's not comfortable exactly. that's the word I was looking for <laughs> not that any of Tarantino's are Helen. No. Yeah, so I'm about the same. I'm going to go for a three. So this I kind of known that it's been on Netflix, but I've not been like, oh, I need to kind of watch this one. Um, and I've seen it a few times, but nowhere near as many times as like Kill Bill or Jackie Brown. Or Is Kill Bill up there for you? I've seen, 
I really, really liked it when it came out mm. and had the DVDs and watched it quite a lot. So I've definitely seen that more than I've seen Reservoir Dogs. Interesting. I was actually gutted that Kill Bill wasn't on Netflix. Mm. I have, talk about. I, again, I think those it's ones, such a cool one to talk those about. Those ones I've not revisited since the cinema. But which are you are you guys Kill Bill Volume 1 or 2? One, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, know. one's more fun, but I think they work as a whole, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, but there are two distinct, obviously, distinct parts, because I love the Pyme training. Yeah, um, I love it. I just love it when Tarantino blends loads of different genres and you can mm. you can just watch his, like, cinema history in his mind being pulled into his own work. And all the, like, kung fu and the, the manga and stuff, I love it. Volume 1 or Volume 2, Dan? Um... I, you haven't seen them? No, I have like a long time switch. ago. I was yeah. in the mixed up. No, but I really, I don't want to give, I can't say because. <laughs> it's been you're right, they come cut that bit out. They come so, you're, so repeat the score for you, Helen. Three, please. Three. Um, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for 3.1. I, I will keep on watching this, but I, when I press play, I did think, I don't think it's, it has been 10 years since I last saw it. I couldn't think of when I last saw it. Mm. I had to think back so I just turned 40 this year. I was like, did I have I seen it since I turned, th- when, after I turned 30? I really couldn't think of a time I had. So it's been a while. So there must be a reason for that. But when when I was watching again, I was just like, yeah, this is this is great. Um, I need to watch it again sooner than 10 years, but I'm not sure when that would be. Um, and it kind of time, I'll, I'll, I'll leave some comments for the engagement score, but it was it was a pleasant rewatch, certainly. Um, small screen score. Cresta. It's got to be a 2.5. Why has it got to be a 2.5? I mean, it's not the most beautiful of movies, obviously, but I just think it's, it also does look very, very good on a big screen. You, you, you're in the room. It's so much more mm. passionate and exciting when you're, especially with those crazy violent scenes and the dancing scene and you you need that loud music, you know, like I feel Ooh, like you need it. <laughs> I'd love to see this in Prince Charles. I definitely would do it. I'm pretty sure they've probably done a Tarantino. They would have done, yeah, they absolutely done a Tarantino season. Or, or what is it called when you watch more All than nighter. one? All Nighter. yeah. Daniel? I, I think for me it was about the the, the sound, uh, not not necessarily the, the... I think it could be what... I mean, I rewatched it on a, a, bit, a bit on my laptop, so mm-hmm. it was okay. But for me, when I had uh, headphones in, you could, you actually really understood, you know, the the the, the screenplay and everything. You, you listen to it better. Mm. Um, I think it, that, yeah. that perspective, it needs to yeah. be... The script headphones. is so important. Yeah, especially yeah, the beginning and the build-up and everything. So... Yeah. I'd have, I'd have to say um, I've got to attach a score to it. Hold on one second. <laughs> Make that a number. Just rambled on a bit there. Um, I'd say like 2.7. So, Helen. Um, so, you know what you're saying about you couldn't remember the last time that you rewatched it. Yeah. I was like trying to think if I could remember. So I definitely had it on VHS, but I don't think I had it on DVD. Does that mean you, haven't, you, you didn't rent it out? You didn't go to someone's house when it was on? You didn't borrow it off someone? No, I think basically my watching was probably on your own, VHS. Your own copies of things. Yeah. But okay. I had a VHS player like well longer than anyone else. And it was out for years before they would they would released it on VHS, wasn't it? Because of the I think because of the ear scene was so violent they wouldn't release it for ages. Yeah, it was really hard to get so hold of. It could have been later right? on you had. Yeah, it, it was really hard to get hold of. That's why I think I'd seen Pulp Fiction, Fiction which I remember begging one of my friend's parents to get 
right. of Blockbuster. Like <laughs> on the weekend it was released. Oh, really? To watch it because it was an 18. And we're like, we really want to watch this. And they're like, it's kind of an 18. And like, well, we really <laughs> want to watch it. And then trying to watch Reservoir Dogs, the gap in between was like just huge because it was just really hard to get hold of. Those days are just not non-existent anymore. No, it's crazy. So Anticipation. Open up, open up an app, see when it's open, see when it's on, download it, stream it whilst you're on the underground. Can't do that. Uh, couldn't do that then. So and yeah, then, and then a podcast about and then podcast about that's it. Brilliant. That's, that's the real big <laughs> times we're living yeah. in. Sorry, I forgot your score, Helen. I didn't give one. Uh, so I'm that's why I forgot it. Gonna give it a three point five. Um, I think having now gone back in my mind to the Tarantino films, I think I've probably seen most of them post Jackie Brown, apart from the most recent one at the cinema. Mm. I, th- I think you have to see Tarantino at the cinema, but because this one yeah, nowadays, yeah. isn't as flashy, you can kind of get away with seeing it at home, but if you can see it in the cinema. I think uh, I'm going to go for four because I think it's, it's absolutely fine. Um, it's not... Like I say, it has suffered the most, I think, of his films. And the step between this and Pulp Fiction just is, Pulp Fiction is just a cut above um, and then sets the stand of him going forward, I think. But I think seeing this in Prince Charles with people who know it, I saw I saw True Romance in the cinema at Prince Charles and that was delightful. Um, so I think seeing this with other people who know the film and love it would be, would be good fun. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, engagement score, Cressida. I'm going to say a four. Um, and again, purely the only reason that's not a five is because it is a little bit slow in places and it's not as kind of beautiful and crazy as some of the other more recent Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's a beautifully written, beautifully shot, amazing piece of cinema. Uh, I'd say 3.5. I mean, it, it does get you gripped, but there are, as, as Chris said, there are some scenes that are a bit slow. So, Yeah. I'd say 3.5. Yeah, I'm going to go for a four as well. Um, I was surprised how slow this was. I thought it was a little bit pacier. Uh, and um, like the f- first like few times I watched Port Fiction, you're still like wowed about how the story plays together and how it all in- interconnects. Whereas with this one, you can kind of like, oh yeah, I can kind of like piece it together. It's not as complex. Um, and yeah, a little bit slow so far. Mm. Yeah, when it cut, did the cutaways to like, oh, this is Mr. White's story. Mm. You're like, do I need this bit, really? It didn't really add, some of those didn't, I don't think added that much. Apart from, I think the relationship between Mr. Orange and Mr. White yeah. was quite nice to see how that kind of built yeah. up a bit. Those introductions some, came a bit late as well. Yeah. I thought that they could have happened a bit earlier, I thought, that with the, the character introduction. And also we didn't get Mr. Blue, or we didn't get Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So I, th- I guess maybe he was just kind of like, trying things out or maybe he did do them and had to cut them out or something yeah. who knows what went on but yeah they they kind of add they, they help you piece everything together but they're not quite as satisfying as his later yeah film. i wonder if that's why because obviously we need to see mr orange well, did we need to see mr oranges obviously that that toilet yeah, scene was really cool one. yeah because it, it builds up his character because yeah. otherwise you've got to go Oh, so how come these gangster guys who've been like gangsters for their entire lives couldn't spot an undercover police yeah. officer? And it's clever the way they tell the story, and you actually see it as if he's he really as if it really happened. Yeah. It's just a story he's telling, but I love it. I think that's really clever. Um, engagement score. I'm going to go for four point three here. I really enjoyed it, and it, I think it does play well. That I hadn't seen it for a while. I couldn't remember something scenes, mm. and I couldn't when Mr. Orange shoots Mr. Blonde. I completely forgotten that happened. 
And then I remember thinking the first time, back to the first time seeing it, thinking, fucking hell, <laughs> he's done that. He's killed him. And I just completely, I just hell, thought. Yeah, it kind of yeah. happens sooner than you think. Yeah. Whoa. So all these guys have kind of disappeared and um, said all these kind of things kind of built up in a way that I just couldn't, I, couldn't, I had forgotten it happened. And I think that's really good for driving you through the rest of the film. I couldn't remember, I really couldn't remember how Mr. Blanc, uh, what happened to Mr. Pink and stuff like that. But I did remember the final shot of Howard Cartel with Tim Roth. That was my main kind of final ending point, but I couldn't remember the things that went around it. So it was good to re-engage with that. Oh, I can't remember what I said, 4.3? I think you did. Let's say 4.3. And that gives us a score of 3.79375. Just just kind of missing out on getting into the fours there. Um, so we always reach oh, yeah, out to that. people on Twitter before we record. And in this case, we say we're reviewing Reservoir Dogs with Daniel Levine and Cressida. Sorry, at the Daniel Levine and Cressida from <laughs> oh, at Food God. Tribe. Please tell us your thoughts for an on-air shout-out. We had a fair few responses. Um, Cressida, you chose the film. Can you lead out with the first response? Uh, advise with Citizen Kane for the honour of the greatest directional debut ever. The performances are astonishing. The script is tight as a drum and the dialogue is dynamite. It's no hyperbole to say that it's changed the face of cinema forever i agree that's at liam hates dempsey liam hates dempsey dan do you want to take a second one at drumble uh i'll never forget it is a masterclass in how little budget and resources you need to tell a riveting story provided the character architecture was solid it didn't give us a star rating but i think it's quite high based on that i agree with that um but yeah again it's he the budget was tiny i wonder it's really cool how we got these actors together. We think of them now as like kind of staples, mm. but they probably weren't that time. Harvey Cartel was probably the biggest character in there. Yeah, but I guess he hadn't really made that many big movies. Mm. He was kind of like working with sort of, apart from like Mean Streets and stuff, he was kind of like... Harvey Cartel, you mean? Yeah. yeah. But I guess for True Romance, he's worked with Crystal Walken. I mean, obviously he didn't direct it, but he's like, hey, I made True Romance with these guys. Yeah, so he's not like Tom Hanks or anything though, like that. No. So I guess he's probably like, yeah, I'll do your film because I'm Harvey Keitel and nice and everything. That's probably the way to do it. He probably has, I think he has that kind of ability to spot the talent that was under underestimated. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that. I mean, he was um, he was in the piano, wasn't he? Harvey Keitel? Yeah. Oh yeah. So he, I think he probably looks for interesting films as opposed to where yeah. the money is, apart from now, as he's like Mr. Direct Line. <laughs> Winston Wolf in direct line. I just, re- just realised Eddie looks like the fat bastard from Austin Powers. Eddie? Yeah. Fat guy, nice guy, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of what he's, he's wearing as well. Not, <laughs> he does doesn't, doesn't fat bastard you, well, wear a Google, kilt? Google what he looked like in 20 years on from this and you'll he looks even more like him. <laughs> uh, Helen. So the next one was from Best Pick Pod. Yep. Almost 30 years on, Tarantino's first feature still feels incredibly fresh, inventive and lean. Roth, Keitel, Madsen and Buscemi are all outstanding. Five obscure 70s pop songs out of five. Yeah. I haven't listened to the soundtrack for a while. I think I'm going to download yeah. it on Spotify yeah. before I leave now. I was now. doing it yesterday. <laughs> and again, I still think I prefer the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. But yeah. Cresta, do you want to say the next one? So, sure. This is from the Countdown Pod. One of the most impactful debuts ever. RD remains my favourite Quentin Tarantino film. Five stars. The countdown PC, Dan, the last one. That's my bit of lager. He says, or she, um, <laughs> I bought this as a bootleg VHS tape at a record fair um, just after it came out. It was one of those films you had to see. Must admit, the first time I watched it, I was underwhelmed. Now I can appreciate it as a great piece of cinema, great soundtrack, four out of five. 
Nice. Well, yeah. cool. see, see, I agree. Praise. People think yeah. about it so differently years on yeah. than they did, you know, when they watched it. Well, guys, can you uh, tell people where we can find you online and say say goodbye to the listeners? Thank you for having us. You can find us at Food Tribe on Instagram. Tribe um, spelled T R Y B. T R Y B. Yes. yes. Uh, you can also find our podcast, the Food Tribe Table, on all streaming services, Spotify, everywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, Thank having, you for us. having us. It's been great. No problems. Thank you all very much. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flix what she sent you. You just heard a stripped media production. 